And welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 171. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, Kathleen Duffy. Hi, Kip. It's good to be here. And it's great to have you here. I'm especially excited to discuss this somewhat culturally theoretical topic with you, distinguishing between nice and kind as descriptors of people and behavior. And as a starting point, could you give some examples of behaviors or even people you know which present compelling examples in your mind of what it means to be kind versus nice? Definitely. So when I think about nice people, I think there's a lack of intimacy there. So it's this idea of asking how you are, but maybe not meaning it and never really going beyond that level of saying, how are you? And not asking instead what matters to you and not thinking to ask that or also just not remembering things about you. So when I think of really kind people in my life, they remember these little tidbits that I think that's you know interesting that you remember that. That's special that you remember that when maybe I thought it was insignificant. A specific example, I think, is when there's a group of people and somebody comes up. And so they're talking about this person, maybe in a negative way. A nice person might just be quiet, not contribute. So they're not, you know, actively being mean or disrespectful, but they're also not saying anything like, well, maybe this person is having a hard time. They don't try to create that bridge of understanding that a kind person might. When I think about what makes a person kind versus nice, I think it's this idea that I want to know somebody and I know that I can help them and I know that I have something to offer. What really stands out to me there is the implication of niceness and kindness as relatives on a spectrum of sorts, that it isn't necessarily mean to not speak up in someone's defense when they are absent, but it is kind to speak up on their behalf. But in my perception, while they may be linked and may exist on a spectrum in relation to one another, I don't believe that being nice is necessarily practice for being kind. And while I do believe they share some behaviors and philosophies in common, I actually think being nice can tempt you into a certain baseline of treating other people. If you're nice to everyone you know, you probably won't have any enemies, but you may not reach a depth or intimacy, as you said, with some of those people and relationships in your life. And while I hope to further distinguish niceness from kindness through this conversation, I'd also really love to talk about the idea of behavioral stagnation and factors which may, in the case of being nice, chain someone to certain habits or rituals in the way they interact with others. Yeah, I think that is absolutely true. Part of that is that it's really easy to be nice in the sense that niceness is in a lot of ways politeness, which is something that we all are encouraged to do constantly. But I don't think we're really encouraged to go beyond that a lot of times in our world. Like we've kind of touched on a little bit, there's this intimacy associated with kindness. And it's an intimacy that I don't know is really encouraged. And because it's not encouraged, I think people are like, well, I'm in my bubble and I'm safe and I am, you know, in this state of not hated and people like me enough. And I think there's a kind of satisfaction at being in that space. There's a safety to it and something very comfortable about that. And I think that intimacy associated with kindness is a scary thing because it's hard to be vulnerable with people and hard to ask questions and let yourself also be receptive to what they might want to talk to you about. That is a hard move to make when you've never maybe experienced it or witnessed it in a very apparent way. It's really useful that you bring up vulnerability because niceness 
or polite behavior, as you have phrased it, can be modeled in public. You can be nice to someone in a crowd and say, you dropped your belongings or your shoes untied. And that's not a terribly kind thing to do, but it is nice and no one would consider you vulnerable in that circumstance. But if you confessed profound love for someone, which might be considered a kind thing to do in a public space, there is absolutely vulnerability there. And I think that's why so many intimate moments in our lives, and I'm referring primarily to emotional intimacy, are private moments. And I completely respect that. But on a societal level, when we don't see a behavior modeled, I think it's very natural for most people to say, well, no one else is doing it. And I don't know how to proceed on that path because I don't have a clear guide to follow. And so as a result, at least in my observation, we see more nice behavior modeled or in certain cases rude behavior because people are at times comfortable being rude in public, but we see less kind behavior because of the way we associate intimacy, vulnerability, and the public eye. And I find this phenomenon of modeling positive behavior, whether that is nice or kind, especially interesting in the age of social media. I've seen certain prominent YouTubers who, during the holiday season, will buy food and other materials for the homeless and film those encounters without the knowledge of the homeless individuals. And of course, cynics in the comment section will say, they're doing this for publicity and it's not truly kind, which I recognize and personally often agree with. However, I do think that if you can model kind behavior on a public forum like YouTube, or perhaps you share with other individuals on Facebook that you've donated to a worthy cause, that action may not be kind because it is to an extent public, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether or not publicity dilutes the kindness of an interaction or an action. But I do think even if that public demonstration is not in and of itself kind, it can inspire other people who I do think in many cases want to help the world and be a force, however small, for good to take action themselves and pursue kind behavior in their own way out of that inspiration. I think that's a very interesting point you bring up and something I find myself often thinking about as well. This idea that who are they doing this for? And like you say, I think ultimately what it comes down to is that there's an important model being expressed in this moment. And when our sole model is typically just this is what is nice and polite to do is all we really have. It's important to see these modes of kindness. And I think especially today, there's a lot of uncertainty and fragmentation. And amidst all these complexities that we don't really know how to deal with, I think that kindness serves a really important role. And it offers us a kind of certainty and an answer that we're looking for amidst all this confusion. And so I think that although maybe this YouTuber or public figure might be doing this for a publicity reason, at least we're seeing it. And I think it's important that we see it so that we can say, how can I translate this into the world around me, into the community that I live in, and to the people who need it? And I think most importantly, what this offers us is hope, which isn't really something that I see niceness offering us. I think that's something that belongs to kindness. I really love your use of the word certainty there. And I would go a step further to say that in my mind, kindness does serve as a form of certainty of someone's inherent humanity. Because we see certain creativity in how people want to be kind. We see agency in people choosing to be kind and also choosing when to be kind. And finally, as we live in a society that is not uniformly kind, 
the human trait of individuality emerges, where people might think to themselves, I don't see a lot of kindness around me, but I want to be kind for this person or this group for these reasons, and I don't necessarily need affirmation to be kind, and I see niceness on a similar scale as certainty of someone as a social entity, as someone who can fit into a larger whole and operate without rocking the boat. And I recognize that in this conversation, we may sound hypercritical of being nice, but I would like to point out that I'm only attempting to interrogate why we often trend towards being nice rather than being kind. And in preparation for this episode, I thought about being kind as a voluntary sacrifice or choice and being nice as more of a culturally encouraged habit. And when I say voluntary sacrifice or choice, I don't mean that only in a dramatic way where people are risking life and limb. But if a friend of yours is sick, it might be nice to send them a get well text or ask how they're doing. But I think it would be kind to pick up soup for them on your way home from work and actually stop by their house to see them in person. And that sacrifice is a bit of your time and the amount of money it's spent to buy the soup, which may not be great, but is meaningful in my opinion. And in an economy defined by capitalist ventures and ideals, I think the idea of sacrificing when someone may not repay your kindness is not something that our system often encourages because there is uncertainty there on the reciprocal end. Whereas niceness in many ways is so culturally ingrained that it is reciprocal almost without thinking about it. If I ask how you are, you may not know me, but you might reply, doing fine and yourself? And I think that gets at the zero-sum circumstances in which I perceive niceness, whereas kindness can really spark something in someone and change their day or their life and perhaps solidify or form an entirely new friendship or relationship. And I would go so far as to say that I don't know if niceness is as effective at bringing people together in a genuine way. This zero-sum game is such an interesting concept because we think sacrifice and we think there's only loss there. But in reality, I think that you do gain in sacrifice. It might not be gaining in the traditional sense of the word, but you know that if you have done something kind, there's this good feeling. You feel light and happy and you know that you've made some kind of a difference. And there's also this reward knowing that you have made a difference and maybe made a connection that didn't exist previously. This idea that in being kind, you might be losing something. And there's a scary thing about losing that thing. But at the same time, there's this gain of connection that wasn't there before. Returning to this idea of intimacy and vulnerability, it's through intimacy and vulnerability that connections are made, that communities are made and fortified. And it reminds me of a quote from this priest, Patrick Otama, belonging creates and undoes us both. And it's this concept that, yes, I'm losing something, but I'm creating something greater. I'm a part of something greater because I lost something else. And I think that it's this idea of we are akin and we are creating something because I allowed myself the opportunity to know you, to understand you, and to lose something for you. I would actually contend that certain kind action follows the logic that I don't know you, I would like to understand you, and I'm willing to lose something for you, which is not meant as an argument in contrast to what you said. But I've often thought of people who have been kind to me or moments when I've tried to be kind as risks taken. Because in certain cases I've observed, kindness occurs between recent acquaintances or friends who are just beginning to get to know one another. In my mind, 
bringing up this idea of community and how communities are formed, niceness, I feel, is allowing a community to be formed around you. It isn't necessarily your action. It is a communal action that is mutual. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when one is being kind, I see that as an active pursuit of a relationship or a community. And I think in that way, kindness may offer more agency, which is perhaps why I'm so drawn to the idea of kindness, because I think it represents the opportunity for any individual to make a substantial difference in the world and in the lives of others. And in contrast to that elevated identity of heroism or social excellence that we might associate with kindness, I find it intriguing that many of us apply nice as an adjective to people that we do not know all that well. And we might say, she seems nice, but we don't know her and we haven't gotten to know that person yet. And I would love to know what you think about that term as a potential placeholder. I think this idea of nice as a placeholder is definitely something that we all do and do frequently. Kindness is a heavy word that has a lot attached to it. And it feels almost like, oh, I don't know that I can't say that about them. Versus niceness, there is this lack of a verbal risk. And it's a very generic term that we can really apply to anything. Even not people will say, that was a nice book. That was a nice show. It's easy to say. And along this line of the way that we associate the words and the meanings of them, it's actually really interesting to look at the etymology of the two words. So the word nice actually comes from the Latin word nescius, meaning ignorant and unaware, literally not knowing. Kind, on the other hand, comes from the Old English word which means native, natural, innate, originally with feeling of relatives for each other. So there's this disconnect between the two words, where we're returning to this idea of kindness as knowing to the extent that you think of them as family, that there's this relationship, this community implied with the word itself, and a desire to know and understand that niceness can't capture. The idea of knowing, particularly in a familial sense with kindness, I find really interesting as it relates to the tones with which someone can be kind. Some listeners might disagree, but I have the sense that niceness exists without much tonal variation. There are very few ways, relatively speaking, of being nice, whereas being kind can take many forms. And in the past week, I've been thinking about how kindness can actually be firm in certain circumstances where someone who loves you or cares about you offers constructive criticism or perhaps says, I'm not going to help you with that particular problem because I believe in you and want you to solve it because I care about your growth and your life. In contrast, I think nice people will often try to resolve problems to simplify situations because lingering difficulties can cause stress. And so I would challenge listeners to think about ways in which you can be kind, perhaps by shifting someone's opinion. And I would always say in a respectful way, but I'd really love to know what you think about that possibility that kindness does not always look gentle, sweet, and loving in the way we might presume it to be. Kindness absolutely presents itself in many different tones. This idea you brought up about constructive criticism especially When I think about constructive criticism, these critiques are being offered for a purpose because they understand your potential and ability to grow. And in this understanding, there's also an investment saying that I am a part of where you are going. I want to assist you in your growth. There's this desire to be a part of your journey. And you bring up how with niceness, there's this desire to just solve the problem, afraid to let it sit. Instead, they would rather be done with it. With niceness, there is an end. There is a stagnancy to it. 
Kindness, on the other hand, there's a momentum to it and there's a desire to explore. Once again, it comes back to this idea of understanding. You want to understand this person and have this person understand themselves also. And with niceness, there's this idea of, I am going to solve this. However, with kindness, you're thinking, we are going to solve this together. And before we close this episode, what would you like the audience to consider after listening to this discussion? I think one of the most important things that you should ponder after listening to this is, why does our culture and society encourage us to be nice rather than kind? Why are we so afraid of being intimate and vulnerable with our fellow individuals? And after questioning why we're so afraid, asking, how can I overcome that fear? How can I be kind to somebody who needs it or maybe who I don't even expect needs it? How can I practice small and large acts of kindness every day? Do you think we've been too hypercritical of what it means to be nice? Are there mutual benefits that we aren't discussing or haven't realized? Who in your life is nice or kind and how have you noticed that the two are different? How do you yourself differentiate between the two? Do you believe that kindness has multiple tones and forms? And finally, when you hear the words nice and kind, do you have different associations with them? I would also really love to know if listeners have different understandings of these terms than you and I might. And earlier, you mentioned fragmentation and conflict in our society. And as it relates to political disagreements, which are very pronounced, at least in the United States right now, I would offer the thought that it may be nice to avoid uncomfortable conversations about politics, but it might be kind to engage in a genuine, respectful, and open-minded way with those who do not share your political persuasions. I'd also like listeners to think about how we apologize and how that relates to niceness versus kindness and what a kind apology might look like in contrast to a nice one. And finally, I would really like to know if listeners think that certain leaders or forms of leadership are more inclined towards kindness over niceness. And of course, Kathleen, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and discussing all of this today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Kip. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, or feedback of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show, as well as supporting us on Patreon, where you'll receive perks like bonus episodes in exchange for your support. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.